Good morning, everybody. We're here for our first uh, lecture of the day. We will start with a few moments of uh, silent sitting just to prepare the mind for the teaching. So just uh, organize yourself in a comfortable posture. Close your eyes. And take a few moments to just be with what there is, with the sounds, with the wind, with the thoughts, with the feeling after breakfast. Just be with whatever there is until you feel you become more and more present. We will take just a few moments here. take a deep breath and when you feel ready open your eyes <clears throat> so our topic for this seminar is the way to freedom as presented in the Sankhya philosophy um, the Sankhya philosophy as I said is the basis for uh, all the yoga philosophy and all the yoga techniques. It is written like this, Sankhya, but uh, actually pronounced with an N. So it can be pronounced like Sankhya or Shankhya, depends which place from India you come from. And uh, 
It's the basis of all the uh, yoga tradition, and it presents uh, a map or a, a model of reality of how the world is uh, created and how is man, uh, humans, what is the structure of humans and what is our journey in this life. And we're going to go through the, uh, this philosophy, not in uh, a lot of details, but uh, in the details we need to present the way to freedom. Uh, during the lecture, I'm going to use some words in Sanskrit, only to, for those of you who uh, use the language for the teaching, uh, but the words are not important to remember. What is important is to remember the ideas. So uh, don't bother about the words so much. And uh, I will ask questions uh, sometimes, then feel free to uh, answer and share your thoughts and ideas. Then we will have a very nice discussion. And uh, also feel free to ask questions. Uh, please, when I uh, give time to ask, uh, well, Try not to uh, interrupt in the middle of a sentence, then we will have a fluent lecture and we can learn well. Um, so, we have uh, the way to freedom, which the Sankhya philosophy calls Kaivalya. Uh, Kaivalya means actually aloneness, to be alone or something that is alone. But uh, it's not uh, in the idea of alone as we think, to be lonely or to be alone. We have to view the idea of Kaivalya as to be pure. Um, if I give a simple example, if I have a piece of gold, uh, when it is pure gold, there is only gold there, I will say this gold is in like a state of Kaivalya, it is alone. There is nothing more that is connected to the gold. But for example, when they uh, take gold out of the earth, it is not pure. It is uh, mixed with uh, other stones and stuff like this. And then it is not in its uh, kaivalic state or it is not in its pure state. And it goes through a state of purification until we get only gold. So when uh, we think of the word kaivalya, we can think of it in this way that uh, we want to reach something that will be only us, not nothing else but us, but this us, we, we will still have to understand what it is. But uh, when we talk about uh, freedom, or let's talk a moment about the opposite of freedom, um, what will be in your life the opposite of freedom? How will it be manifest in your life? Just simple example, examples. Sorry? I am not You are not you. Okay, in what way? In a very simple examples, how will it manifest? When do you say, I am not free? In your life, when are you not free? When some rule is expected from you. Very good. When rules are put on you, for example. Okay? Or when we have some restrictions. Some restrictions are put on us. Oh. Or, for example, uh, we can say if our mind is uh, full with ideas and thoughts and a uh, little bit, uh, you know, overwhelmed with life, it's like something is added on us, and then we say we are not free, and we can imagine, or we have chain, chains on us, and we can imagine that, uh, like, just a simple image 
of somebody uh, wanting to break free, what will be the movement? Is to put something away from us, is to take the chains off. Yeah? Can you have this idea? So the same idea with Kaivalya, it means to take something off of us, something that is now binding us, something that is put on us, and it's like restricting us, restricting our freedom, and then in the process, the way to freedom, we will take this thing that is added on us away until only us left. And the idea of Kaivalya is alone. We are left alone without anything else put on us. You understand the idea of Kaivalya? Nice, right? Okay. What will be the opposite of Kaivalya? Will be the journey to Samsara. Samsara. Samsara, the cycle of birth and death. Or we can say the cycle of life. So imagine what we are already saying, something very special. We say that the cycle of life, being born and dying, is something that is restricting our freedom. This is something that is put on us and something that we want to shed, that we want to break free from when we do the way to Kaivalya. So uh, when yoga talks about samsara, you will find it also in, of course, in Buddhism and things like this. Uh, it's always connected to uh, suffering, to what they call dukkham, suffering in this life, because they say the, the fact that we are living, the fact that we are born, uh, uh, the fact that we die and we do it again and again, this is uh, something that is different than us. This is something that every time limits our freedom. Um, and this is the thing that we want to break free from. And uh, we will have to see how is this possible, because for now, uh, when yesterday we talked a little bit about what is freedom for us, was freedom... Uh, to stop to exist? <laughs> Was this the idea we had of freedom? Not necessarily. We had uh, maybe ideas of freedom as being free on this in this life. But when yoga, uh, Shankya philosophy and yoga, they talk about the freedom, they say be free from rebirth, being free from having another human form or another living form. And uh, we are going to see exactly how is this possible. All right, interesting. <laughs> Any questions so far? Okay. And then the Shankya says, there is a way. Uh, we can imagine ourselves in a given point. And then one way leads to samsara. samsara. One way leads to be born again to the world of the living and the dying. One way leads there, and another way leads to Kaivalya, to be left alone, to be not to be anymore part of this samsara. So two ways are going, and uh, it's like uh, it's going to show us um, like the map, what is needed to do, what are the actions needed 
if we uh, want to go to Samsara, what is the way? And what is the way to go to Kaivalya if we want to reach freedom? What is the way to freedom? And it's interesting to think about a way. Uh, first of all, as always, having some kind of goal. Each way leads somewhere. And um, there are many ways existing all around us. Uh, when are the ways uh, becoming important to us or relevant to us or influence our life? When? Only when we walk them. It's, there can be many, many ways, but they become, they influence our life only if we start walking them. So the Shankya tells us these two ways, one of them you're already walking, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Yeah? It's this way, the way to samsara. And we will see exactly what actions that we take are leading us to this, to be born again, to stay in this cycle of living and dying. And they say, but there is another way, and we can introduce you the techniques, the actions needed to take this way. And then if you start to take the other way, for sure you will reach Kaivalya. It's not a maybe. It's like uh, the way to my house. If I give you instructions how to reach my house, and you follow the instructions, you are going to reach my house. It's not a maybe. I know exactly, I know for sure you are going to reach the house. The same goes here. For sure, if you follow some kind of actions, you are going to samsara, like that place, samsara. And for sure, if you follow uh, this, uh, the other techniques or the other steps, for sure you are going to reach Taivalya. It's only a matter of how, uh, how long you are going to follow the way, like any other way. Because if I give you instructions to reach my house, but in the middle you get tired and you stop walking or there is something else dis distracting you and you stay there, then you will never reach. It is still the way. And the instruction I gave us are still the same instruction. They are still the correct ones to reach my house. But it all depends if you do the way, if you take the steps or not. And um, we have to see that in this life, eventually when we want to walk, or when we want to reach something, we have to walk. It doesn't matter how many wonderful maps we have, how many wonderful instructions we've been given. If we don't uh, do the action of walking or driving or <coughs> riding the bicycle, something has to be done in order to reach. The same goes here. The yoga, the Shankya philosophy draws the map and the yoga gives the techniques, the actions that are needed to reach the place. So. This is one of the things I, I love most about yoga because it's not something you can live in theory. If you live with theoretical knowledge, and yes, there is Kaivalya and there is Samsara and I know the way, it's not going to take you there. It is only if you follow the techniques that yoga gives how to reach the Kaivalya, then for sure you will, you will reach it. But action is needed. Uh, this is why they say about yoga, uh, for example, in a text called Bhagavad Gita, there is a question there. Uh, what is more important, knowledge or action? And they say the knowledge is important, but action is must. Because you have to put the knowledge into action if you want to reach somewhere. So in these lectures, in this seminar, we will also meet the techniques that are necessary.
to do the way and then it will be up to you if you want to do the way or not and you will uh, if you put the techniques into practice uh, you start to do it for sure you will reach the freedom uh, this is not a there is no question mark at the end of this this is guaranteed um, any questions I like to watch to uh, view this point as uh, any moment in our life in any given moment in our life we have the option to choose whether we are going towards samsara or whether we go towards kaivalya it's not like uh, this long journey that uh, uh, we're taking it is also a long journey but it's much more interesting to view it as in this moment in every given moment I can do an action that will take me towards samsara and I can do an action that will take me towards kaivalya uh, this is very optimistic because even if I have for some time did a lot of actions that take me towards samsara it's not that I have to come back all the way and then find the junction and then go to kaivalya from this point that I'm here there will be another junction there is a junction and in that moment I can then take an action that will lead me towards kaivalya so every given moment in yoga is a moment of choice to choose our action and to see which way we want to go and it's not a problem if we go to samsara it's only that we are going to experience the the result of it so we will see that uh, the suffering uh, grows and we will see that our uh, freedom is um, diminished you can say or becoming uh, we become less free we will become more slave uh, enslaved more bound and if the moment every moment that we take a step towards kaivalya we will see uh, suffering going down and we will see that in that moment we grew in freedom and that's about it you know it's uh, it doesn't have to be more don't think of uh, like some special experience that is going to happen one day and that you're uh, struggling to reach it's not this it is the little uh, choice we have in any given moment if we go towards uh, samsara or towards kaivalya towards more suffering or less suffering towards more freedom or less freedom this is our choice okay any questions so uh, to continue now that we understand what is uh, the way I'm going to present the model of Shankya how it views reality how is the world created or all the structure of reality according to Shankya I'm not going to give it in complete detail but enough for us to understand the journey and uh, what is important for us um, before that maybe uh, this way to samsara it has a name it is called boga boga means experience so it is uh, through the way of experience that we go towards samsara and the way to kaivalya is called apavarga which means release 
So when we take, we, when we take the way of releasing, and if we talked before about being alone, so we can understand the idea of releasing, when we take the way to release, or of releasing, then we will reach Kaivalya. Uh, in our lectures, we will start today first to explore the Boga, to understand how it looks, uh, the way to Samsara, because uh, we all have experience there already. <laughs> so we can share our experience of this way. And then we will reach uh, the upper Varga and we will see how to go there. So the model of Shankya. Uh, Shankya says, uh, in this life, this human life, we are made of two things, two potentials, uh, completely different from each other in characteristics. Both of them are potential, but they are completely different from each other. And uh, both of them are necessary to uh, make this human form. So our life, as we know it now, is composed of two things, like two elements. And uh, it's interesting to see that, um, you know, to create something, you always need two, at least two things that come together. So the same in this human form, according to the Shankya, there are two elements needed or two potentials needed to create this human form. One of them is called Purusha. And the other one is called Vakriti. The meaning of the word Purusha is very nice. It means the one that lives in the city. The one that lives in the city. When they say Purusha, what they mean is our conscious element. The, the seer. The, the one that experiences, the one that uh, uh, sees, um, or what I like to call awareness, our aware element. And why do they say, why do they call it the one that lives in the city? Because for them, the body and the mind are the city. Um, and there is like this conscious element residing inside the city and both of them together they make our human life and uh, both of them have very different qualities um, the purusha in us is a uh, constant it is unchanging and it is aware And the body and the mind, the mind and the body, are like the vehicle that this uh, unchanging awareness sits in, or like the city where this aware elements lives. And it is interesting to <coughs> view the relationship between, uh, we, we now we take a person, but don't be confused, between a person and the city that he lives in. What is the relationship? The relationship between a person and the city. What do you think? What was first, the person or the city? Person. Hmm? The person. And then why did the city develop? 
What is the function of the city for the person that lives in the city? Why are, they sit why are there cities? Why cities developed? The city should is a good place for the person to live. Mm -hmm. okay. So the city is the place where the person can live. And it gives the conditions for this person to live. It supports the life. This is why cities started. If you think, I don't know, go back to history. Think about the first city that developed. First there were people and then they needed some protection. Then they built walls and they built houses and then they needed food and they needed a lot of things in order to live in the city. But imagine now these people leaving the city. What will happen to the city? Huh? All the people leave the city. They go out of the city. What will happen to the city? Not food. Huh? Not food. Not food? Then all people in the city. They go. What happens to the city? Ah, when they go. Yeah. What happens? Nature takes the city. Huh? The city dies. There is no more functioning of the city. Okay? The city actually is uh, realized to be something dead. It was the people inside the city that gave the city, we can say, the life, made it uh, valuable, made it uh, function, but and uh, the city served the needs of the people inside, but the moment the people are gone, the city cannot function without them. The city is only, you know, it will be a mass of buildings, and maybe food and stuff like this and vehicles, but there will be no more movement there, no more life in it. So when we think about Purusha and Prakriti as making our uh, human form, we say there is some conscious element living inside the mind and the body. The mind and the body are serving this conscious element in its journey in life. It's like our vehicle in this life but the moment this conscious element is gone this mind and body is not going to continue to function they have no purpose anymore they are going they are going to die and we can see it when a person dies it's you know it's really interesting to see because the body stays completely the same but there is some like the personality, what the thing that was there, the, the thing that we communicated with, the awareness, the consciousness that was there in the body is gone. But the body is there, the mind is there, the, the brain is there, everything is there, but something is missing. The thing that is missing is the purusha. It's like the purusha left and then only the city uh, stayed. But the city without... This conscious element inside it is not worth nothing, it's not going to function. So, um, the, it is, um, when we talk about the Purusha, we say it is unchanging and it can uh, live in different cities. For example, uh, if we say one person living in a city can decide to move to another city. It's uh, the person is the same, but he can live in uh, different cities along the life. The same, the Shankya says about us, uh, we are the same, this conscious element, but we can occupy different bodies. We can occupy different mind and bodies uh, in our journey in this life.
for us, we don't have the experience of it because we only know our life in this body. But in the, in the theory of the Shankya, it talks about this, that we can occupy different cities. Uh, but we, all the time, we say the same. It is only the city, the body, the mind or our vehicle in this life that changes. So we are this unchanging aware element. And in this life, we are inside the, uh, all the time uh, changing and temporary changing and temporary element, just like the city. Um, we can see that the city is all the time in movement, is all the time changing, all the time something is happening there. Uh, for example, you can live uh, 50 years in the city, you are mostly the same, but the, the city can change a lot. And uh, we can see if we talk about our own uh, little city, our mind and our body, we can see how the mind and the body, they change with the years. But us that are inside, when we say I, it was the same I when we were three years, and it is the same I when we are 50. We mean the same conscious element is still there. But what it is, uh, in, what it is uh, living inside, this is all the time changing. So the nature of the second element of Prakriti it, that is changing, it is temporary, and it is unconscious. It is only matter. There is no consciousness in there. There is no awareness there. The aware element belongs to the Purusha. It is interesting to know the word Prakriti. Uh, it is from the root uh, <laughs> which I cannot pronounce, <laughs> but which means motion or movement. So uh, the idea of one element that is never changing and never moving, together with an element that is always moving, always changing, and together, these two elements, they are what make us uh, alive. This is what gives us this human form. You take one of them, everything collapses. So in this life, we have both of them uh, working, or both of them uh, necessary. Uh, and we will, say, we will see in a moment how they are important for our journey towards samsara or towards kaivalya. Any questions? Yeah. Another interesting thing to see is that uh, yoga likes to call uh, the mind and the body this uh, the city of nine gates. So uh, it's like a city and the gates are the senses, all the openings, not only the senses, but all the openings of the body. These are like the gates through which things can enter or go out. And uh, so the Purusha lives in the city of nine gates. This is the basic structure of humans, all humans, according to Shankya philosophy. And in this state, when they are separated, the, each of them is uh, pure. We can say each of them is like in Kaivalya. They are not mixed. So the Purusha, when it is only in this, not connected yet to Prakriti, 
This is the state of Kaivalya. And because this is us, and this is our city, we can already understand that the journey towards Kaivalya is the journey towards realizing the Purusha, realizing our nature as awareness, as consciousness, separated from the city. Because now in this life, we are mixed. We are the Purusha and Prakriti together. But in the journey towards Kaivalya, we said we want to have it pure. We want to uh, take out everything that is different than us. Then, in this uh, journey, we can already understand what uh, we will have to let go of. What do we, we will have to understand that uh, is different than us? The city, the Prakriti. Okay? Or if we talk about our own human form, the mind and the body. It will be a process of realizing that the mind and the body are different than us and realizing our nature pure, not attached to something else, not bound, not uh, restricted by mind, not restricted by body. Uh, every time we realize this true nature, or we, um, we can say even every time we act, According to this, we will go, we go towards Kaivalya. And every time, we will see, of course, more deep later, every time we go in the other direction, towards uh, identifying ourselves with the mind and the body, we move towards samsara, towards the cycle of birth and death. Questions? <coughs> So, we understand that we want to realize this element as being pure, alone. This will be the state of Kaivalya, realizing our aware element, our conscious element. But in this life, Shankya says, Purusha and Prakriti, they seem they came together to create life, to create this human form. And in this life, we, are, uh, we have evolved, we have uh, manifested in different uh, levels um, that uh, we can say it's uh, from the more subtle to the growth. And I will just uh, describe it in a general way, not with all the details. And they say, in us, when we already talk about the human form as combined from Purusha and Patriti, from the, cha the, the unchanging the conscious element and the changing element, the first thing that came into being is what they call buddhi. Buddhi, like the word Buddha, the word Buddha means awake. And the buddhi is this uh, awake element inside of us, the aware element inside of us. For example, now that you listen to me, you are aware of what I am saying. There is some conscious element, active element, that is hearing, that is grasping, that is thinking, that is uh, experiencing. And we can feel it, that we are aware, this feeling of we are aware. Do you know this feeling? Yeah, that 
now you are aware to what I am saying, you are awake. This is the idea of Buddhi. There is some kind of awake, somebody who is awake there that is listening and experiencing and asking questions or keeping silent, doesn't matter. Um, this is, uh, many times they will call it, when they translate text of Shankya or stuff, the intelligent part. You know, the part that can uh, view the things and can analyze and that uh, look like the intelligent, uh, uh, yeah, intelligent part of us. But I like to call it better the conscious part that we are, that we feel, that we are aware that I, when we say I, we mean this one. No, I can feel it. I say I am, I am aware, I exist. All of this goes to this idea of Buddha, the, the thing that is awake inside of us. Uh, so first there is this, and then as the humans develop, or as we come into being, we start to uh, also have the element which is called Ahankara. And here again it's nice to uh, understand the word in Sanskrit. It means Aham is me and Kara is action. I am the action, I am the doer. So it is not only that we have this conscious element in us, but we also have the, um, uh, the ability to act and the uh, identification with the action. Uh, for example, um, <coughs> when we talk about Ahankara, I am the doer, it is this place in us that have the identity or that develops identification with the actions that we are doing. For example, imagine um, uh, two people uh, finishing a teacher training, yoga teacher training course. Only one of them will develop the identity of a yoga teacher, but both of them have certificate for teaching yoga. But only one of them will develop um, identity of yoga teacher. Who? Who will develop identity of yoga teacher after finishing teacher training course? Only the one who really does. Very good. Only the one that teaches. Because he uh, does, because he does actions of teaching, then identity of yoga teacher develops. Um, because our actions they create our identities, and in this idea of a hankara, this is what they want to say: we start to develop identities of doers of uh, actions according to what we do in life. So, for example, if we teach yoga, we will start to say, we are yoga teachers. If we have children, we will start to develop the identity of mothers. Uh, if we, I don't know, whatever we do, we start to develop the identity of this. So we have this element, not only one that is awake, but only an element in us that identify itself, identifies itself according to the actions it takes. And if you view your life, ask yourself for a moment, 
what am I identified with? Yeah? Give some identifications you have. You will see all of them are uh, actions that you are doing in life. If you say, I'm a mother, I am a sister, I'm a photographer, I'm a teacher, it's all because you have been doing these actions for a long time. And uh, things that you have not done, or you have not done regularly, you don't have identification there. And you can see in your life how they developed slowly. Can you see it? Yeah. Okay. So, as we uh, come into this human form, we have first some conscious element then that can observe, that can watch. Then we have this, the doer, and the identifications with what we are doing. And then we have another element with, which is called manas. And manas is the active mind. The active mind which we use for thinking, for example, the mind that you are using now to listen to me, or to think about what I say, or maybe you're thinking about other things. This is this active mind. So it's not only that we are aware, or that we act in life and we identify ourselves as doers, but we also have a mind which we can use in this life, um, in this uh, human form, that helps us to perceive the world, through which we perceive the world, we can think about the world, we can um, decide which action to take, and we can execute action. For example, now when you're listening to me, you first you perceive, and then you think about what I say, and then, for example, you can decide to raise your hand and ask a question if you want to clarify something. So all of this is done in the mind, and we can say this element is the element uh, where we also uh, come into contact with uh, thoughts and emotions. Where all thoughts and emotions happen, this is in the manas part of our human structure. So, buddhi will be the consciousness, the one that looks, that sees. Ahankara will be the doer and the, the one that identify itself, our self-identifications, and our active mind, our thoughts, and our feelings, and our ability, of course, to think. Any questions so far? And now we have a mind, and the mind is connected to what? In this human form? Try to think, what is our mind connected to? In order to perceive the world, in order to execute actions, what do we need? We need to be in contact with the world. What give us, makes, huh? Senses. Senses, very good. What they call Indriyas. No, no, I put it here, but we will understand. Indriya are the senses. Because one thing is to have a mind, but in order to perceive the world, we have to have the ability to hear, to taste, to see all the senses that we need. And according to yoga, there are not only the five senses of the West, 
There are also five senses of actions, of action. The ability to hold things, the ability to move in the world, the ability to um, communicate with sound, the ability to um, uh, put away waste and to reproduce. So, we have uh, all these things that compose the human system, the aware element, the identifications, the active mind, the senses, and eventually, what do we need? We need material stuff. Yeah, because we cannot, it's like we said, all of these are like uh, subtle elements. They are like uh, functions. But eventually, everything has to be wrapped in some material, in some, um, yeah, in something that uh, can keep it alive. A uh, simple, uh, simple uh, example can be a computer. Uh, one thing is the uh, hardware of the computer, but uh, what, is the, what is the point of the hardware of the computer? To store the software. How the computer is processing information. What, is the, what are the abilities of the computer? What it can do? All of this is not material stuff. It is installed in the chips, you know, in all of this. I don't know much about technology, but I know the difference between hardware and software. So the same here. So far, we have talked about, like, the software, what makes this uh, human system function, and eventually all of it has to be wrapped in material stuff, and this is our, uh, our matter, which the Shankia calls butas. Eventually, we are matter. Okay. So this is, in uh, general, the view of humans according to the Shankya philosophy. We have the software, the, all the abilities, the ability to be aware and to identify and to think. And then we have the sensors, the senses to be in contact with the world. And then we have the body on the outer world. So this is the idea of how uh, humans or how this world is created according to the Shankya philosophy. And all of this is going to be born and to die and to be born and to die again and again because all of these elements all of this uh, big structure and we can see it our structure is a temporary one it has the qualities of patriti uh, for example what can you say about your body is it changing or is it constant is it temporary or is it eternal of course it is temporary of course it is changing what about the senses are they eternal or are they changing? Are they constant or changing? And we can see also the senses have the, um, the characteristic of being changing. What about our thoughts and emotions? <laughs> what about them? Are they constant? Are they stable? And all of us know, we know how 
quickly they change, how quickly they transform. What about our identities, our actions? Are they temporary? Yes, also. When we were born, did we have the identification of a teacher? Not yet. Did we have identification with our name? Our actions were limited. So, uh, also this we can see it has some um, some uh, um, temporary characteristics, and then our conscious element. If we look uh, when we grew up, one thing that we grew up in we can say is in consciousness, in awareness. Uh, if you look at children, you will see that they are not aware. Have you noticed? That they are like, uh, they live in their own world, but they are not completely aware, not completely aware of who they are, not completely aware of the world outside, and this is why they can do pretty crazy stuff sometimes. <laughs> but then the more we grow, we become more aware. And then uh, with this awareness, uh, we become more self-aware of how we are and how we behave. Uh, we become more self, more aware of the society and how the things are. Um, and we can see it, uh, for, and also one thing that we become aware of, for example, is uh, of life, how fragile life is. Uh, do you remember yourself as a child? We had no fear. Well, we could do everything, or m many children, they are fearless. And then as we grow, then we are becoming more aware of life and then also of the uh, temporality of life and we become maybe more fearful of losing the life or more careful. So also this conscious element inside of us grows, transforms with the life. Um, so all of this structure is actually belongs or has the characteristic of the city of Prakriti, of something that is changing and temporary. But all of this will not take place, will not manifest, unless it was serving something or somebody. And who is it serving? Us. The one that lives inside the city, but is different than the city. Okay? Is it clear this uh, idea of Shankya? Yeah? Okay. And now, how all this is connected to the Boga and to the Apavanga? What is our goal? Remember? Our goal, the way to freedom, when we talk about the way to freedom, our goal is this, realizing this element, the Purusha element, not connected to this body, not connected to our identifications, to our thoughts, ideas, senses, and body. And we want to realize this nature that is unchanging, unmanifested, uh, that cannot live and die, that cannot take shape or lose shape. We want to actually realize something that we can say that doesn't exist. <laughs> It's a, it's a, this is why the journey is so interesting because uh, we will see that to, we can uh, very easily investigate things that exist. But to investigate uh, uh, before that, and all things that exist, what can we say about them? What nature they have? What kind of characteristics? 
all of them have changing character. Everything that exists is going to transform. Everything that exists is going to change. Do you agree? So we know to uh, investigate into the nature of what exists, of things that we can perceive, which means that we all the time only investigate into the nature of patriti, of things that are temporary and changing. And we will need some special tools, some special techniques, if we want to now to investigate something that doesn't exist, something that has no form, because form is something that changes, something that has no smell, no color, no sound, no nothing, something that cannot be perceived by the senses, cannot be perceived by the mind. Huh? How are we going to do it? We are, we are going to need something very special which we are going to see later. So, our journey is to reach this place, but in our life, where, do, where are we mostly? In this, uh, this is us, all this buddhi, ahankara, manas, the senses, and the, the matter. This is our human life. Where are we mostly spending our life? Manas. Huh? In the manas, very good, in thoughts and feelings. Where else? Where do we usually identify ourselves with? Senses. The senses and the body. Okay, this is where we are mostly. Uh, we are, um, for example, uh, if uh, somebody asks you who you are, you will say, I'm a woman or I am a man. Why? Because we have a woman body or a man body. Or if somebody asks us who we are, we will say, uh, I, am, uh, I am shy, I am brave, I am like this or like this. This is all characteristics of the mind. Or they will ask me who I am, I will say I am, um, I am a yoga teacher, I am a daughter, I am a whatever. Again, things that are uh, of the temporary and changing nature. So in this life, we are completely, completely, uh, or we are far away from uh, realizing this conscious element inside us. We are completely involved with our human system, with the, with the changing and temporary part of our human system. And the more we live, the more we become, we uh, uh, become identified with our human life. And this process that we go we can say like uh, we go down with life or we go more into identifying with the mind and the body. This is the process that is called Boga. And it develops through the experiences we have. For example, think of a newly born baby. What does it uh, identify with? How many thoughts and feelings does it have? How, uh, how connected it is to its body? Uh, not much. There is still this kind of uh, purity in babies. You know, something that is uh, not yet well formed. 
even the body is not yet complete. The colors of uh, the hair is changing, the color of the eye is changing. There is still a lot of transformation that is going to take place. So the baby is born, uh, not aware and uh, quite pure in this. And then uh, after a few days, it is given a name. Yeah, already some identification. And then it starts to grow, it uh, starts to get the characteristics. And then the mother says, it's so interesting to see children with the parents. They start to say, oh, he's, uh, he's shy, you know, or he's, uh, he's sensitive, he's like this. We start to give them character, although they, you know, they don't have, they don't know what shy is, they don't know what uh, afraid is, but we start to give them these characters. And uh, if you look at your life, you will see that... Uh, uh, maybe many ideas you have about yourself are actually ideas given to you from outside. Uh, that uh, you have heard many times that you are shy or that you are pretty or that you are this or that and you have started to take it as your identity. And then the more we grow and we start to do some actions and we start to be uh, maybe uh, some uh, repetitive with some actions, we start to play the piano every day <laughs> and we study piano or we start to draw every day then we start to develop the identity I am a pianist, I am a musician, I am an artist now, where did it come from? it wasn't there before it came from the experiences in our life that we have started to take uh, these uh, different identities um, and then as we grow, we start to have uh, different uh, emotions. We become aware of the emotions, uh, different ideas and thoughts. And we start to identify ourselves with what we feel. Um, and also, uh, the society helps a lot when uh, it asks us, for example, uh, tell who you are, give uh, three uh, good characteristics of yourself and uh, three bad characteristics. What do we give? We give characteristics of the mind. We say we are angry, we are happy people, we are optimistic. It's not, yeah, it's not of the purusha that we give. We start with the experiences of life, start to give our uh, identifications or to identify with what goes on in our mind, in our active mind. And eventually we become, uh, with the experiences of life, we become uh, more identified with the body until we think that we grow and then we think that we become old and then we think that we die so we can see that this journey of voga is actually <coughs> an unavoidable one it is a natural one that all of us go through uh, with life and the more we go through in the voga we become less and less free because freedom was the purity of Purusha and see how many layers we have already put on ourselves and if we ask ourselves what have we been uh, fighting all our life to get freedom we will see that we have been fighting these things maybe some people were fighting their body they want to break free from the body maybe some people wanted to break free from the mind, or let's, before the mind, 
the senses which are very much connected to our desires. So, uh, how many times have you fought with your desires and you fought, felt that you were the slave of your desires and you, that this was what uh, was binding you and you were trying to break free <laughs> of that? And how many times our struggle for freedom was freedom from thoughts? Even uh, yesterday when we described what was freedom for us, we said peace of mind. You know, this uh, silence of the mind. We were trying to break free of this uh, endless movement, which is the characteristic of the mind. It's, they have, it must be like this. Um, so, we were trying to break free from thoughts and emotions and things like this. How many of us were fighting our identifications? You know, not to, not to be, uh, for example, uh, yeah, all the ideas we have about ourselves or the ideas that society has about ourselves, um, that we feel that, that we feel that this is what uh, this uh, what limits us in this life. You know, that if only I could break through these ideas, these uh, self-perceptions that I have, or the perceptions I have even of others, if I can only let go of this. I will, uh, I will be free. So we can see that naturally, with the process of boga, we started to feel more and more imprisoned, more and more uh, in chains, and uh, naturally, we, most of us, started to fight it or started to look for a way out. But until, but um, all our struggle to find freedom, where did we look for the freedom? What do you think? Your struggle for freedom or your search for freedom, where was it? What was uh, uh, the characteristic of your freedom? Was it eternal one or was it a temporary one, the freedom that you have reached? Temporary. Why? Where did you look for the freedom? You look it? You... Outside. Huh? Sorry? Outside. outside. Very good. For example, in temporary things outside. Uh, vacation, <laughs> yeah, we can say for many people vacation is a form of freedom or uh, being out of the army or out of school, you know, or being in the countryside, this is freedom, but all of these things, we are there only for a temporary time, uh, even people that decided to move for the, to the countryside, and uh, in the beginning they felt completely free, how long did it last? Well, very short, after some time they have realized that even in the countryside, there are things restricting them. So we were looking for freedom outside. Where else? We were looking for freedom in a state of mind. The feeling of freedom. But what do you know about feelings? What do you know about emotions? Changing. Huh? Sorry? Changing. Changing. All the time. All the time. So what is the point in trying to hold a state of mind of freedom? It will always change and then we can feel it. We go to a yoga seminar and we do some practices and we feel uh, free. But then we go back home and where is this freedom gone? Or we uh, go to a silent retreat and we, yeah, then we have a lot of freedom because we don't talk and we don't use the cell phone. And we think we have reached some kind of freedom. But the moment we get the cell phone back and we start talking again, again we realize we are not free. 
So as long as we look for freedom in this life, we actually become more and more slaves because it keeps us uh, in constant action, uh, in search, in constant search for the next freedom. And maybe you can see it in your life that, uh, okay, we came to this seminar and here maybe we feel a little bit more free and then the seminar is done and then I have to look for the next thing to give me the sense of freedom. And then this will also be gone and then I have to look for the next thing and the next thing. So by searching for freedom in this life, we actually become more and more slaved. Do you understand the idea? Um, also, it's interesting to note, for example, if we have people that think that uh, money will give them freedom. You know this? Maybe you thought about this sometimes, that if only I had like uh, some millions of dollars, I will be free. But uh, does it give me freedom? No, why not? Hmm? What? <laughs> it is temporary and it requires a lot of actions. Because if I have a lot of money, I have to do a lot of actions to manage this money. So I realized that actually I become more and more occupied and less and less free. And we can see these people because there is a lot of things to take care of. So all these things so far that we thought that will give us uh, freedom actually gave us, took us on the other way, on the boga way. It gave us more and more experiences. It got us more and more involved in this world. And we had to do, um, and more and more, we can say, uh, towards samsara, towards being involved with the temporary things, with the world of the living and the dying. Um, so uh, this is the way of Boga. All of us go through it. Uh, very naturally and um, but uh, for yoga this is not a problem but this is a uh, it has to be like this uh, and then comes the point when we uh, start to realize there is another way but we will talk about it in a moment any questions so far can you still clarify this buddha mm -hmm. the buddha yes. buddha is the elements the material elements material. and then the in the full um, uh, a full uh, structure of uh, Shankya philosophy, the full model, they specify exactly which are the elements. There are subtle elements, a more gross element, but for our discussion is now not important. Any other questions? Um, let's talk uh, a little bit more about Boga. Um, our all, uh, whole process in Boga, going through the, towards the world of uh, experience and towards being more and more uh, involved in samsara, is uh, actually, uh, as we said before, walking away is always depending on the actions that we take. And our actions that were, that takes us in the boga, that take us, takes, take us towards samsara. Our actions that uh, are uh, depending on our identification or 
the fact that we do not distinguish between who we really are and the city that we live in. And it is presented in a very nice model, very simple to understand, that is called Fleshas. And I will write them here. Flesha is like a source of suffering. <laughs> or for our discussion, we can say uh, it is the way or the things that cause us to move towards boga or towards samsara, towards more and more um, suffering or um, towards uh, slavery in this world. And it uh, shows very nicely how these things are, uh, uh, how uh, our uh, suffering or um, this, uh, yeah, the samsara or how we lose our freedom the more we go. So they all start from the very simple uh, fact that yoga calls or shankya calls avidya, which means that we have wrong knowledge about who we are or we lack knowledge about who we are. Vidya is knowledge and avidya is lack of knowledge. And this lack of knowledge of who we are, we lack the knowledge that we are this conscious unchanging element. And instead, what knowledge do we have? That we are all this, the patriti, the city, that we are the mind and the body. And this we have from the beginning because they tell us like this, they educate us, that uh, they tell us you were born and you will die and this is your name and all of these things that we have already described. So it is from society, from the very beginning of our life that we get this wrong knowledge. And it is interesting to note that uh, in India, in the past, the children were not taught that they were the mind and the body. They were taught that they were Brahman, the unchanging, the, the supreme spirit, we can call it, the, this one thing that is there. Uh, so uh, it was taught to them uh, from uh, stories and uh, songs and things like this. Uh, and the parents also, if it was uh, yeah, parents that had this knowledge, they were living like this idea. And they were uh, talking about the body as being something temporary and that you get another body. And they talked about incarnation and reincarnation and all of these things. So it was very much in the culture of India to talk this language of Shankya. But uh, in our Western uh, society, completely the opposite. We were uh, from the beginning told that we are the body and this is, this is what there is, only this life, there is no, nothing afterwards and uh, we live and we die and all of this. So we have this wrong knowledge about who we are. And then, because we have this wrong knowledge about who we are, we start to identify ourselves. This is called asmita. We identify ourselves 
with the body and with the mind. And so we lack the knowledge of who we are and then as a result we identify ourselves with the body and the mind. And because we identify our existence, imagine our existence with the body and the lie and the, with the body and the mind, it becomes most important for us what happens with the body and the mind. It's like, uh, for example, we can see that uh, we say we are okay when we have a pleasant feeling. And when we have uh, feelings like uh, love and happiness and, I don't know, these different sensations that are pleasant, then we say, oh, we are okay. But the moment we have feelings that are not pleasant, like uh, anger or sadness or loneliness, all of these feelings, immediately think we think that something is wrong with us or something is wrong with our life. So, as a result of this identification with the mind and the body, we started to be uh, very much uh, concerned with what happens in the mind and the body. And then we can find ourselves always looking, um, always in desire for what is pleasant. This is called Raga. Maybe I will write all the things. This is wrong knowledge. And this is identification. And Raga is the desire for pleasure. And it is very interesting to see that actually all of us are the same. In any given moment of the day, what are we looking for? Pleasure. We want the food to be tasty. We want the weather to be nice. We want the lecture to be interesting. We want the company to be pleasant. We all the time want the pleasure. <clears throat> all of us, every day, throughout the whole day. We want to sleep well. We don't want nightmares. Uh, we want our loved ones to be okay. We all the time look for pleasure. Why do we look for pleasure? Because we say if there is pleasure, if we experience pleasure, then we are okay. Then our life is okay. Or we are okay. Why do we say we are okay? Because we think that we are the mind. So if everything is okay in the mind, then everything is okay with us. We always look for this uh, pleasant feeling in the mind. And... To go with the desire for pleasure. There is the aversion from what? Suffering. Yeah. What happens the moment uh, yeah, the food is not so tasty, or we didn't sleep well, or the lecture is boring. Immediately, what do we think? Oh, I should go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, I'm not sleeping well here, I need to go home. Uh, the food is not good, I need to find better food. The lecture is boring, I need a better teacher. No, it's like this. 
immediately, all of us, the moment we are uncomfortable, the moment we are not experiencing pleasure, or the moment we experience suffering, immediately we think of how to get out of this mess. Can you see it in your life? Yeah. This is the story of every day in our life. For me, it is one of the most uh, interesting and uh, funny things. Because I can just see myself like this all day. It's, uh, it's not something that I choose to do. It's something automatic in the system. It's like this. Um, to support the life, we all the time look for the pleasure. We all the time try to avoid the suffering. And then as a result, what we have is what is called Abhinivesha. which is fear. So many times they translate it as fear of death. But it's not, or the fear to lose life, but it's not the fear of, only the fear of death, or the fear to lose life, but it's the fear that something, the pleasure will be taken away from me. Huh? How much do you fear that? If you have, a, I don't know, somebody you love, what is your fear? That he will go away that you will lose him. Or the fear that what I want will not come. For example, I don't know, I want to be accepted to some job. Then I fear that they will not accept me. Why? Because I want it, because this is pleasure for me. So there will be fear of losing the pleasure or not getting the pleasure. Or fear of getting suffering. What do you fear of? We fear of getting cancer. We fear of, uh, I don't know, whatever, fear of many things, uh, something bad will happen, or we fear that something that is already bad, something the suffering will not go away. For example, if we have pain in the knee, we start to fear that it will never go away. If we have some kind of disease, we start to fear that it will never go away. So this fear is only a result of our desire for pleasure and our aversion for suffering. So, the Shankya and the Yoga, they say something very simple. They say, when this decides our actions, we are on the path to samsara. We are on the path of boga. Why? When we have actions based on the pleasures, these lead us to action. When we do actions based on the pleasures, this leads us on the way to samsara, on the way of boga. Why? Who can explain? It's changing. Hmm? It is changing. Okay, and then what happens? Goes around. Action is experience. Okay. The, but we will see that there are actions that take us away from experience also. But what is what is typical to these actions? What will happen to them? What what are our actions here? What are we trying to do all the time? Good. Oh very good. We try all the time to hold something 
that makes us feel good and we all the time reject something that makes us feel not good. This is our life. For example, we can be in a relationship. As long as my partner makes me feel good, my action is hugging. You know, but the moment he makes me feel not so good, immediately I try to start to uh, think to, about uh, divorce. And so when these actions decide our life, or when these are the actions in our life, uh, what will be the characteristic of them? What other, we try to get good, we try to avoid the bad, but are we going to succeed? Hmm? Are we always, will we always be able to uh, hold pleasure? Will we be always able to avoid suffering? Are you able to do it? No. So we see that when these things decide our actions, we can never stop from acting. And this is the bondage. This is why it takes us into experience and into samsara. Because we all the time have to react. And we, uh, now I'm feeling good, then I'm trying to hold. But now I'm feeling bad and now I have to avoid. And if you see your actions, when they are based on this, they are very not constant. You started to do a project. It became difficult. What do you do? You stop. And then you started a relationship and it became a unpleasant, you stop. And then um, all the time we are bound to do another action and another action because this is never still. This is a, never going to be constant. All of this is always going to be some temporary pleasure or temporary suffering. And the fear is going to be there deciding our life. And the more we fear about losing stuff, the more we are with this life, the more we are connected to this life. And this is the suffering of samsara. There will not be so much trouble in uh, being uh, born and die if there was not the fear. Imagine, if you didn't fear the death, would you mind if you are born or you are die? If you didn't fear the suffering in life, to suffer in life, would you, will it matter much if you were born or you die? No. But it is the suffering that there is in the process of being alive and in the process of dying <laughs> that we try to avoid all the time. And uh, this is the way of samsara and this is why the yoga says, Tell us, this is our uh, prison, this structure. Of all the time needing to do action in order to stay alive, all the time needing to do action in order not to lose the life or in order to gain pleasure or not to lose the pleasure or not to get suffering. This takes us into the world of experience. We need more and more experiences all the time None of them is, is constant. All of them is temporary. All of them will lead us to another action and another action. And eventually to the suffering that there is in the cycle of birth and death. And this happens to all of us naturally. And um, when I look at my life, I can see how it is. How I always look for the pleasure. How I always try to avoid suffering. I can see the fear you know, of suffering or losing something I like. I can see in myself the fear of death, of dying, or suffering in the process of dying. So, I know this works, <laughs> as the Shankya says. And uh, so this is the process of Boga. I invite you to think about it 
and to see it in action and to see that you are not free there. That as long as you work when the kleshas are the source of your actions, you always have to do another action and another action and another action. You are not free there. Um, as long as you identify yourself uh, with this structure, with the, with the mind, with the thoughts, the ideas, the identifications, uh, with your actions, uh, you are not free there. There will always be this restriction, this limit. And uh, in our next lecture, what we are going to explore is the way of Apavarga to see. We said this is um, naturally happening to all of us. Then to take the other way to Apavarga, we will need to do some special effort. We will need some special techniques that will take us there. But this is after the break. Any questions? Okay, so we take a half an hour break now and we continue later with the upper valve. Thank you.